you know, I'm not sure if you're the type of person that at the end of a year you like to sit down and to like really go after it, you know, reflect back and set goals. Uh, you know, that might be your personality where you sit down after Christmas and you lay out all of the pieces of paper and the sheets and the goals and the here's the 15 ways that I'm going to crush it, you know, as you come to New Year, that's some of you. And uh, maybe some of you don't do it that formally, but you come into a new year and you just sort of casually sort of reflect like, hey, who do I want to become this year? What do I want to step into? I know there's an aspect of stepping into a new year that feels rather arbitrary. And yet at the same time, the scriptures tell us that, that God gives us the days and the weeks and the months and the seasons for a purpose, that, that the seasons have literally been put in place by God and he's put them there with this design in such a way that we'll kind of stop and we will reflect on where it is that we're headed. That we'll just kind of stop and go, okay, God, where are things moving? So I'm just curious, I'm not gonna ask you to answer this out loud, but if someone were to stop you and just ask you the simple question, how was 2022 for you? How would you answer it? How was the last year? How, How were your relationships? How was your walk with Jesus? The things that you were dreaming about and going after, did they turn out the way that you thought they would? Was it better? Was it worse? Was it, you know, I think if we're probably honest, you know, most of us, maybe you see a trajectory to your year, but if we're honest, a lot of us would probably say, hey, there's a whole lot of both and. There's some stuff that went better than I could have anticipated. There was some stuff that was harder than I could have ever imagined. There was some stuff that went exactly as planned, and there were some things that happened that completely shattered my plans. Like, uh, I look back personally on 2022, I was reflecting on this like a week or two ago, and I thought, man, I felt personally like I lived four different years in 2022. Maybe some of you felt that. Like, I looked back on the last year, and I thought about, uh, literally looked back at my journal, what I was dreaming about, planning for, and wanting to step into in the first week of January 2022, and I read it, and I went, oh, sweet, naive Dave. I had, I had no idea what was going to come this year. Some of it was really beautiful and amazing. There were some great surprises from God in this year. And there were some crazy hard challenges and transitions and things that I never saw coming, things that I'm still not over, things that I'm still walking through. And I was just reflecting back on for me, what was really sort of a wild kind of year. And here's one thing that I noticed as I reflected back is in all the ups and the downs, and I'm not just saying this because I'm preaching this morning, in all of the ups and the downs, here was one of the most consistent things for me in 2022, and that was the unrelenting faithfulness of God. He just kept showing up. <laughs> that Psalm 23 reality that surely your goodness and mercy will chase me down, that's my interpretation, (laughs) will chase me down all the days of my life. That the consistent thing for me in the midst of a really wild year was just the faithfulness of God. He just just kept showing up, he just kept coming after me, he kept pursuing me, and I I felt like in some ways I've sort of limped in. You know, sometimes I charge into a new year, honestly, I feel like I'm sort of limping into 2023, and yet I'm limping in with this confidence that, man, the faithfulness of God is new every morning. The mercy of God is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He wants to move amongst us in a new way this year. And so the question that, that I've been wrestling with as we come into this year as a church family, there's so many things, we know this, there's so many things 
you and I have zero control over. There's a thousand things you cannot control. But in regards to the things that we can control, how do we come into a new year in such a way that we posture ourselves with this expectancy that we will experience the good life of Jesus together this year? And that's the one thing I want us to wrestle with this morning. How do we put ourselves in a position? How do we posture ourselves coming into a new year in such a way that no matter what comes at us, good or bad, we experience the abundant good life of Jesus together in everything that we go through. See, this is the heart of God for you, whether you know it or not. This is what Jesus is after. I love, it's one of my life verses, John chapter 10, verse 10. If you've been around ethos, you've heard me quote this a thousand times. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, do you know that the devil has an agenda for your life? And here's his agenda. He wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy every good thing that God wants to do. That's his agenda. But here's the Lord's agenda for your life is that he has come to give you life and what? Life to the full, the abundant life. It is, it is God's desire that you would be a container of overflowing heavenly goodness. That's what he longs for for you. That's what he wants to do, that he, he wants to stir up that good life in you. Jesus goes, this is my mission for your life, is that you would experience the abundant life right here and now. It's beautiful to me that in Jesus's most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he spends the first 10 minutes of his introduction talking about how his listeners can step into that abundant good life. And it was perplexing because the way that he talks about it is quite upside down to the ways of the world. And so whether you know this to be true or not, Jesus longs for you to live a life that is abundantly good, rich uh, in happiness, in, in contentment, in strength, but his definition of happiness is different than the world's. The duration of his happiness for your life is different than the world's. He doesn't wanna just give you temporary happiness. He wants to set you on this eternal track of, of joy and of life in a way that is durable and long-lasting. And my question for us is, at the beginning of a new year, whether last year was good or not, how do we position ourselves in such a way that we experience Jesus's desire for our life, that John 10, 10 life? And as I kept wrestling with that question, the Lord kept taking me to Psalm chapter one. And I love Psalm one. It was Jesus's songbook. It was his prayer book. He would have prayed through the Psalms over and over. Psalm chapter one is personally one of my favorite Psalms when each of my boys were born in those first six months when we would rock them to sleep almost every night and they'd fall asleep on my t chest, I would literally just pray Psalm 1 over them every single night. I don't know how many times I've prayed this Psalm over the people that I love because I think Psalm 1 is an invitation. It is a key to how the people of God, no matter the circumstances that are around us, position ourselves to experience the abundantly rich life that God has in store for us. And so Psalm chapter one, I just wanna read through the whole thing and then I wanna just kinda of come back and wrestle with a few very practical, very practical realities. There'll be some homework for us to do as we come to the year together. But Psalm chapter one starts like this in verse one. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But blessed is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. This person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in every season, whose leaves do not wither, whatever they do will prosper. 
but not so for the wicked. They are like chaff, like a, a little weed that is blown away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, but the Lord will watch over the way of the righteous, and the way of the wicked will lead to destruction. This is the word of the Lord. And so I just want to start, look back at the beginning of verse one with me. I want you to notice where the psalmist begins. He begins by tapping into what I believe is the deepest carnal human longing of the heart, and it is this longing to be happy. I, I believe uh, the, the root system of every New Year's resolution is the desire to be happy. <laughs> like you think if I can just get a little bit thinner, a little bit richer, a, a better friend group, I'll be happy. I've never heard anybody at the beginning of the year say, this is the year where I get poorer, fatter, and lonelier. Like n- nobody makes goals like that because at, the, at the, the base of every human pursuit so often is the pursuit of happiness. And I love the way that the psalmist starts. Look back at verse one. He says what? Read it out loud with me. Blessed, blessed, blessed is the person. This this word blessed, you know, sometimes in church we use words so often in a religious setting that we forget what they actually mean. And so we look at each other, somebody sneezes, it's like, bless you. What's that even mean? (laughs) Or something good happens, it's like, bless you. (laughs) Do you guys know what that, do you know what it means to to ask for blessing? Like in the scriptures, it, it literally means this durable happiness. That's what it means, durable happiness, not temporary happiness, durable happiness, permeating contentment, resilient joy. The psalmist shows up and he does what Every person, every influence in your TikTok feed or on Twitter or every, you know, like little bullet point article that you get in your inbox on a Friday, the psalmist does what so many of these folks do. He says, hey, do you want the key to a happy life? Do you want the key to a great life? He makes no bones about it. He says, I want to help you position yourself for a life that is, that is, Um, sustainably joyful no matter the circumstances, that is marked with permeating happiness no matter the circumstances, that's not defined in the way that the world defines it, that sets you up to move in the way of God. He goes, this is what I want to talk to you about. And if you've noticed, anytime someone offers you happiness, you go, hey, I just want to listen. And I just want to encourage you this morning, just let's, let's listen to what he's going to say here. He's gonna say, hey, there's a way that you can position yourself. There's things that you can't control about the year, but there's some things that you can control. And he's gonna, he's just gonna kind of list out three things. If you're the type of person that takes notes, I just kind of wanna move through three things together as he talks about how we position ourselves to experience the life that God has made us for. And the first is this. He's gonna say, hey, it would serve you well if you would take some time to evaluate the direction of your choices. It would serve you really well if you would just stop before we rush into this year, rush into this week, rush into this moment. If you would stop and just evaluate the direction of your choices. Guys, this may seem harsh, but I want you to hear me. This is coming from such a place of love. Your daily choices determine your eternal future. And a lot of us go, yeah, I go, no, it's your daily choices. That, it, that determine the trajectory of your eternal future. You, you know this, what you 
choose to do today determines what you will be like tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. And the truth is, whether you stop to really wrestle with it or not, every choice has a direction. Look back at Psalm 1 verse 1 with me. He says, blessed is the person who does not walk, listen to this, who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. He's gonna say, hey, you need to understand that both righteousness and wickedness have a direction. (laughs) And you would be wise to just stop and to evaluate the direction of your choices. You look back at Psalm 1, I just want you to notice the direction. He says, pay attention to who you're walking with. Pay attention to where you're standing. Pay attention to what you sit down in and get comfortable with. Because every choice has a direction. Righteousness has a direction. Wickedness has a direction. And what you do today determines who you're becoming tomorrow. I love the way that James, the the brother of Jesus, says it in James chapter one, verse 14 and 15. Look at this. He says, temptation, notice the directional trajectory of this reality. He says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and then drag us away. Eventually, these desires give birth to sinful actions. Guys, this verse right here, this should, just, this should just explode in your heart if you really listen to it. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. There is a trajectory, there is a direction, there is a reality of your choices. And a lot of times, maybe you've noticed this, if you just stop and go, okay, what direction am I headed? A lot of times right today, that sinful choice feels like a little match, but I'm telling you, if it's not dealt with next year, it's a forest fire. It feels like just a spark, but over time, it burns the whole house down. And the psalmist goes, hey, that life that you want does not come at the end of the conveyor belt of human secular ways of living. And if you are walking in that direction, if you are standing in that place, if you are seated comfortably in the ways of the world, the thing your heart actually longed for will be like drinking salt water and you'll never get it. He goes, you should evaluate the direction of your choices. There's so many ways you could look at this. You know, the psalmist here, he says, it'd probably be great to start with your friend group. Can we talk about that here? Is that okay to talk about here? that if you would just show me your five closest friends, I'll tell you what you will be like a year from now. If you make a habit of walking with apathetic, secular, immoral, cynical people, over time your fire for the Lord grows cold. It's just true. My friend Kevin says it this way. He says so often, Spiritually speaking, we are the average of our five closest friends. And the psalmist just says, hey, one of the directional questions we we should probably evaluate is, who are the people that I'm walking with in this season, and are they leading me in the direction of righteousness or wickedness? Now, uh, some of you are sitting here going, but what about mission? I'm not talking about mission. I'm talking about covenantal relationship here. Who do you surround yourself with? Who are you walking with? And if we want to live a life that is 
marked by permeating durable, heavenly joy and happiness. One of the questions that we have to ask is what direction is life headed in? You can look at your relationships. You can look at your choices. Man, so many things we could just speak in. Just let me give you a couple real quick. There are some of you right now that are married and marriage is really, really hard. And I'm not saying that in a condemning way and I'm not saying that like, please hear my heart on this. Anybody that's been married for longer than a week, it's tough sometimes. (laughs) It's tough. We laugh because we all know it's true. But some of you right now, marriage is tough. And so you go home and it's a struggle, but you go to work and you feel like a king or a queen. And so you're disconnecting at home and you're showing up at work and you've gotten comfortable making flirtatious comments with somebody that's not your spouse. And right now it feels like a match, feels like it's not a big deal. I'm telling you, you keep moving in that same direction and in two years from now, you see your kids every other weekend. What direction? What direction are your choices taking you? Some of you are being crushed by the loneliness of this season of singleness. And you're trying to do it God's way. But it's just crushing. And all of your friends seem happier doing it the way of the world. And you're sitting at home on a Friday night and you just begin doing that that lie. You go, I'm gonna get on Tinder for the friendships. (laughs) What direction? What direction is that taking you? And the psalmist says what you were made for in the Lord is gonna require you to not drift into a new year, to not get on the conveyor belt, but to just stop and to evaluate, okay, am I walking in the way of righteousness or am I walking in the way of wickedness? I've been astounded at how naturally I drift. I drift towards destruction. I never drift towards greatness. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Like, none of you just like drifted into just crushing it. Like, <laughs> it's just not the way it works. We drift. We lose our sight. You know, on uh, Christmas Eve, just a few weeks ago, Sydney and the boys and I, we were driving back to my parents' uh, house in Charleston, South Carolina. I don't, I don't know how many times I've made that drive. It feels like I've made that drive hundreds of times. Uh, I, I know it like the back of my hand and for a variety of reasons, we got off to a late start and the roads were icy and we were moving slower than we wanted. And so we get about an hour and a half away from my parents' house and we were trying to get there for dinner to celebrate my dad's birthday. And, and there's this fork in the interstate. One direction takes us to Charleston, the other way takes you north into North Carolina. And so Sydney's asleep, the boys are asleep, uh, the, it's dark and I'm driving and at some point, Um, I just come to my senses and realize I had missed this fork in the road. And have you ever had that where you're driving and you're like, wait, how'd I get here? (laughs) And then you're panicked. You're like, I was driving a vehicle (laughs) faster than the speed limit. (laughs) And I have no idea how I got here. And I'm telling you, it's not like I sprung to my senses quickly. I had been driving for 25 miles in the wrong direction. And I come to my senses and I feel embarrassed, I feel ashamed, I feel like, how do I do this? I have to I realize, man, I've gotta call my dad and tell him we can't make it to his birthday dinner and I'm gonna to have to wake Sydney up and tell her that I got lost again and <laughs> that's gonna be embarrassing. And, and so then my mind starts doing this thing, I think, hey, maybe I can 
find my way subtly back to the right path. But I've, I've got this old flip phone and most of the time I love it, but I couldn't GPS my way to a better future. <laughs> and so I had one decision. Will I humble myself and make a U-turn? And for every man of God. <laughs> it's like the most painful thing in the world. And so I'm like, I'm gonna take the exit ramp like 100 miles an hour, maybe Sydney won't wake up, you know, because if I slow down, she wakes up. And I slow down, she wakes up. She's like, do you have to go to the bathroom again? I'm like, no, I just wanted to take a detour into North Carolina. And she begins to ask these questions. And honestly, um, I, was, I was guarded. I was embarrassed. I was angry. Because I like to think that I'm the type of guy that never has to make a U-turn. And I'm just telling you, some of you, you are on a trajectory toward destruction. And the Lord doesn't want you to make gentle adjustments to write down five habits to crush a new year. He wants you to humble yourself. He wants you to turn around. And he wants you to come home. And maybe this is the only question you need to wrestle with in the new year. So are there any areas where you need to make a U-turn? Any area where you just need to move in a new direction? Because if you want to experience the good life of God, you're gonna have to evaluate the direction that you're headed. Second thing that the psalmist is gonna say, it's not just evaluating your direction. It's evaluating the desires of your heart. The direction you take so often flows from the desires that you're cultivating flows from the heart, like, what are you after? What are you eager? What are you interested in? I love verse one, he says, blessed is the person that watches out for that direction that's leading them away, but he gets to verse two, look at verse two with me. He says, and blessed is the person, happy is the person, durable is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord, or the, the word of God. He goes, the, the person that has cultivated their heart to desire the word of God and even more significantly, the God of the word. He goes, this is where you find the life that you've been made for. You know, our desires are a lot like our taste buds and our taste buds are easily deceived. Our taste buds are cultivated over time. Last year, I went down this rabbit hole of what food does to the body, and it's really fascinating. A lot of you are way smarter at this than I am, so spare me the emails. Just know I'm doing my best up here, okay? But <laughs> it, it was fascinating. I just started looking scientifically. You know, there are these foods that over the, the, the decades have been scientifically and genetically dialed in for two simple purposes, to give you temporary satisfaction and to keep you coming back hungry for more. Like if you think about every sugary processed food that you try to avoid at the beginning of the new year, the reason it is so tough to avoid is because it has been scientifically, genetically modified to just hit all of those things in your brain that go, man, it satisfies me, kind of, and I really want more. For me, if I had to personify sin into a food group, for me, it'd be tortilla chips. Like, you know, I can't just eat one, I can't just eat a bag. Like if I have three bags in the house, they're all gone. Like I love... Tortilla chips, they're designed to temporarily satisfy and to keep me eternally coming back for more. 
And I just think about the world we live in, guys, the culture that we live in, it's just been dialed in by the enemy, it's been dialed in by the culture over and over and over to temporarily satisfy, but to keep you in this place of eternal longing. And there's a reason you binge that show all day Saturday and get to the end of the day and still feel exhausted. You're like, have you ever like, laid on the couch so long, you're like, I feel tired. <laughs> Makes me feel good, you too, huh? Like I've done that, it's like, I feel exhausted. <laughs> I didn't even move today. <laughs> it's dialed in. There's a reason you crave tortilla chips and you never wake up at midnight and go, man, I just would love to crush a bag of baby carrots. Like, <laughs> that genetically processed, it's been dialed in to keep you longing for more but to never satisfy. But there, there is good food, there's true food that although your taste buds have to be cultivated for it, will actually satisfy, will actually give you energy, will actually fill you up. And the psalmist is gonna say, hey, in a world that is overrun with spiritual junk food, how do you dial in the desires of your heart for the word of God and the God of the word? I'm just gonna tell you, initially, the scriptures will never compete with your social media feed. Initially, they won't. But over time, it gives you life. Because as you dial your heart in, for the word of God, it's there that you meet the God of the word. <laughs> and as you meet the God of the word, he leads you in to life. For some of you, the question this morning is, what is the direction of my life? For some of you, it's this second question. It's, it's what desires am I feeding? What am I cultivating? The psalmist says the life that you were made for you need to evaluate your direction. You need to evaluate your desires. I'll give you one more, number three. And you need to evaluate the discipline of your mind. You need to evaluate the discipline of your mind. See, a lot of times we come into the new year and the first thing that we think about is discipline. I love that this is the place that he ends. Look back at verse two with me. He says, blessed is the person who their delight is in the law of the Lord, and upon this law, they meditate day and night. This word meditate, it, it literally means to almost obsessively dwell on something, to chew on it, to savor it, to think about it, to go after it. Every single one of us have disciplined our minds to meditate on something. The question is, the thing that we're meditating on, does it bring us to God or not? Does it lead us towards life or not? Does it, does it produce durable, permeating joy or not? And he says part of this journey is not just looking at your direction and not just evaluating your desires, but really asking, how am I training my mind to dwell deeply on the beauty of God? Guys, we live in a world that is designed to keep you in the shallow end of reality. <laughs> We live in a world that is designed to keep you moving quickly and thinking very shallow in all the things that you do. And to meditate on anything of substance takes discipline. I love this. The psalmist says on his word, I meditate day and night. I chew it up. I think about it. I let it read me. I don't just, guys, one of my desires, if I could just make a goal for everybody in 2023 in our church this year, it would be that you would not go a single day without reading God's word. I'd even raise the bar higher than that, is for every minute you spend on social media or your news feed, you spend two minutes in the Word of God. 
But the truth is my desire is not just that you discipline yourself to read the word of God, it's that you would discipline yourself to dwell deeply with a mind that is resonating on the things that matter. On Christmas, my in-laws, they always cook this huge feast, and this year my mother-in-law made prime rib. It was perfection. And one of the funny things about these holiday meals is they take 10 hours to cook, 10 minutes to eat, 10 hours to clean up, right? It's a terrible equation. And so she made this amazing meal, and we said, hey, let's just sit down and let's savor the moment. Let's savor the meal. Let's not rush through this. Let's, let's enjoy every bite. And this is the way the scriptures are designed to be engaged. Not just reading through it on your app and clicking the button, although there's some goodness in that. It's going, how do I discipline my mind to dwell deeply in the things of God? I'll just give you one example from my life this week. On, right now in my daily reading, I'm working through the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a great book, especially for our cultural moment. Solomon, who wrote it, had everything the world tells you you think you need to be happy. He, had, he was wise. He had influence. He was unbelievably rich. He had all these relationships, all this sex. He had his own petting zoo. I mean, just cra- That's true. You can look that up in the scriptures. Like, just crazy, awesome life. But the one thing that seemed to be consistently elusive for Solomon was permeating happiness. And in Ecclesiastes, he's just wrestling with what happens when you get everything you think you want and what you think you want doesn't give you what you actually want, and that's happiness. And I was just reading through Ecclesiastes 8, that's where I was this week, and on Tuesday, I had all these meetings, all this stuff. I was so busy, so bogged down. And so I opened up my Bible, I read it super fast. I mean, maybe like three minutes in the Word, you know, and checked it off in my journal, closed it, and I just went about my day, and about an hour later, the Lord was just kind of in my heart. He's going, hey, do you think I've got something more for you? You just kind of brushed through the meal. You think there's something there for you to really dwell on? So I'll go back to Ecclesiastes 8, and there's just this one little sentence, Ecclesiastes 8, verse 8. This is what disciplining my mind in the Word looks like. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 8, it says, no person has control over the moment in which they die. How's that for a pick-me-up at the beginning of a new year? (laughs) But the Lord just said, I want you to think about it. I want you to dwell on it. And I'm just dwelling on that one verse. And I just thought, man, Lord, I I hope I have 40 or 50 years. And he was just going, what if you have 30 minutes? What if you have a day? What if you have a week? What if you have a month? What if you have five years? I want you to order your life so there is nothing of any regret or consequence the moment I choose to take you. And I would have missed that if I just sped across the reading like a speedboat on top of the water. <laughs> the Lord said, no, anchor down, go, go low, listen, receive. And I love this, this is what the psalmist puts out before us. He says, hey, do you, do you want permeating, durable happiness no matter what circumstances come? It would serve you really well to look at the direction of your life, to look at the desires of your heart, to look at what it is that you were training your mind toward, the discipline of your mind. And he says, because there's two different realities for humanity. You know, humanity, like human beings want to go, oh, there's all these different paths. The Lord says, no, there's really two ways. Um, one way is that you lead a life that is temporary in nature, that is forgettable in its scope, that will one day lead you to a Christless eternity. That's the trajectory some of us are on in this room. You're, you're temporarily happy and you're moving towards a Christless eternity. 
Or the psalmist goes, or you could be like a tree planted by a stream of water who, who yields its fruit in every season, who leaves do not wither. You provide strength and shade and abundant goodness for everybody around you. And he goes, and you get to decide which path you wanna be on. And this is the, the good news of Psalm 1, and I want you to hear this. If you've tuned out everything else I've said this morning, is the mantra of Psalm 1 is not try harder. <laughs> He's not going, try harder, try harder, try harder, so you can be like the tree planted by the stream of water. Because the only one that ever lived out Psalm 1 perfectly is Jesus. He's the only Psalm 1 person. <laughs> so the mantra of Psalm 1 is not try harder, the the, the, the mantra of Psalm 1 is live wiser. Because as you walk in wisdom, you come not just to the word of God, but to the God of the word, and he will lead you into all life. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't done this yet this year, before we go into the new year, man, don't rush into 2023 with all our humanistic energy. Hey, we're going to get this done. And don't drift into it casually either. Let's step into it purposefully. And I encourage you sometime within the next 24 to 48 hours to get alone with God, get alone with this Psalm, get alone with these three questions and let him do work there. And then get together in community and, and, and let him lead us in the way of righteousness. You know, I, th I think it's beautiful every Sunday after we read the scriptures, we go to the communion table, we receive the bread, we receive the cup. And this is an act of defiance against the world because the world's gonna say, you've gotta try harder. And we come to the table of grace and go, no, it's all been done for us. This morning, we come to the table and we take the body of Christ, we take the blood of Christ, and we're reminded that the path towards the good life has been made available, not through your efforts, but through his sacrificial death, the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned its shame. And that Jesus himself is the reminder that sometimes the path towards happiness is the path less often traveled. And so this morning in groups, as we're taking the bread and as we're taking the communion, I encourage you to circle up, to confess sin, to look at each other, to to share whatever needs to be shared, but maybe the only thing you need to share with one another at communion this morning is you need to look at the other person and to go, hey, just a reminder, you are not the center of the universe. Jesus is, and the sooner we embrace that reality, the happier we'll be. And so let's stand together. I'll pray over us. We're gonna receive communion if you want to be prayed over. If there's some U-turns you need to make, if there's some choices you need to let go of, some things you need prayer for. There's gonna be some men and women at the Respond Banner. We'd love to pray for you. But I just invite you to just extend your hands out in front of you with your hands open in this posture of receiving. And so, Father, we, we declare that you alone know what the good life is and that you alone have the ability to produce it in us. And at the beginning of a year, when we have no idea what awaits us, Lord, we come to you with humble, hungry hearts open for you to lead us. And so, God, would you illuminate anything that needs to be illuminated? And Jesus, would you lead us towards life? Thank you for your death. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for your active leadership in our lives and in our church and in our city. And, Lord, we come into this year with expectancy, not because we are great, but because you are great and we believe your plans for us are great. 
In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, I love you. Let's come forward for communion. It's on the tables all around the room. Circle up your chairs, talk, pray, confess. Come up and receive prayer at the respond banner if you need it. I love you.